Hey everyone, welcome back to Practical Non-Toxic Living by Ruan. This week's episode features Samantha Radford, also known as Evidence-Based Mommy. Samantha is a PhD chemist and public health expert turned mom of four. She has transformed her knowledge on um, environmental chemicals and how the environment can affect moms and young kids into a wealth of resources, including a podcast, courses on parenting, courses on breastfeeding, and all sorts of non-toxic living resources as well. Sophia and Samantha chat about their journeys to non-toxic living and how they incorporate non-toxic living in their motherhood as well. This episode was actually first aired on Samantha's podcast, Evidence-Based Mommy, Um, so feel free to go check her out and give her a follow as well. Please enjoy. I also want to let you guys know that, um, if you follow us on Instagram or are in the newsletter, you know that we have been offering some detox gift boxes for this holiday season. We've got a home detox gift set, a detox and healing playbook set, and our forever chemicals gift set as well. So each of these different sets include a really gorgeous workbook that is so easy to implement around your home, as well as um, different offerings to online courses or months of membership at the Detox Academy. Um, And the Forever Chemicals set also includes a really gorgeous stainless steel water bottle. So um, you can check all of those out at ruanliving.com forward slash store, or just head to ruanliving.com and choose the gift sets tab underneath Ruan offerings. And I have to say, if you're interested, you should hurry up and order them because we are almost sold out after Black Friday. So shout out to our amazing audience for being so excited to gift all of these different wonderful bundles for the holidays. As always, feel free to reach out to hello at ruanliving.com with any questions, or you can DM us on Instagram at ruanliving. All right, with that, Please enjoy Samantha Radford. Hi, I'm Sophia Ruan Goucher, author of the critically acclaimed best-selling book, A to Z of Detoxing, The Ultimate Guide to Reducing Our Toxic Exposures, and founder of Ruan Living, the only wellness lifestyle brand that simplifies practical non-toxic living. Welcome to my podcast. Hey, Sophia, how are you doing this afternoon? I'm great, Samantha. How are you doing? I'm doing great. So it's really interesting. Like we both kind of got this similar, um, some of what we do, but then like these different backgrounds that led us here. And I just think that's really cool to get to actually meet you and talk to you. Yes. Thank you for having me. And I'd love to, I look forward to hearing more about you and your background and how, yeah, both our paths led us to this moment because of our passion for simplifying non-toxic living. Yeah, absolutely. So tell me a little bit more. I saw that you said your daughter, I guess, is at least 16. Um, I don't know exactly how old, but that you became interested in this, like so many people, once you had your child, right? That's right. So I had a prior career that I loved. I worked super hard in what's called distressed investing. So I loved being part of teams that bought high risk, high return investments on behalf of institutions. And I loved being able to dive into a messy situation with imperfect information to identify 
what's really going on. And I focused on things secured by commercial real estate. So there was the financial aspect, but also what's really going on with the real estate and the neighborhood. And most importantly, how can we turn this around to create a lot of value, not just for the investors, but for the tenants and the community. And so I loved all aspects of it. And so for 10 years, I worked super hard trying to get great experiences for my dream job, which was to work for a fund that invested in opportunities anywhere in the world, secured by commercial real estate, but I wanted to get ownership of real estate through non-performing loans because I had worked for people who had been part of teams that took over dilapidated hotels and turned them around into the most extraordinary experiences that I still enjoy so much to this day. And I just thought there was something so wonderful about that. Then when I was 34, I became a mom Mm -hmm. to my oldest daughter, who's now, she's almost 16. She'll be 16 in a couple months. And it was only in reading every night how I wanted her next day to be in terms of when she should eat and nap and what she should eat and other developmental things I wanted the nanny to do for my daughter's brain development and and just development overall. It was in this nightly routine of going through thoughtfully selected books and articles that I accidentally learned about toxic chemicals, heavy metals, and later radiation from what I buy, own, and do for my daughter and our home. And my reaction in the beginning was often, what? This can't be true. If this were true, my highly respected doctors would have informed me of this. So I would go to the internet and search to answer the question of, are there credible sources that are backing up this claim? After a minimum of two hours, I would decide, yes, I am concerned. And then I would spend even more time researching, what do I buy instead? And this went on for about eight years. I ended up resigning at some point from my career thinking, I'm going to take a year to master this topic because I hate learning about this after midnight every night. I need it's to so stressful already. And then you're overtired and anxious. And yeah, that's a, <laughs> putting yeah, a lot I'm of pressure just, on you. I'm just going to dive down, master this. So I have a good plan for the people who take care of my children and my family. And I was shocked to realize how pervasive our exposures are. Mm-hmm. And so I now have this online detox universe that quickly communicates eight key pillars of our lives that people can detox. And so it was my, my, my daughter's becoming a mom and realizing that there's so many toxic exposures that are easy to avoid that have a meaningful influence on the development of the youngest on all of us, but especially the youngest of us. Yes. Yes. How did you get into this arena? Yeah. So my story is almost the opposite of yours in some ways in that I started 
with chemistry. So I was just interested in science, you know, as a kid, I went into chemistry for undergrad and then continued that. And I ended up in a lab where we did analytical chemistry. So that means basically looking at what kinds of toxic chemicals are out there, what concentration of them are out there. And then we connected that to environmental health, you know, how those toxic chemicals affect our bodies. And just like you said, especially, you know, unborn children and very young children, because that's where those toxic chemicals are most, um, they have the most effect, you know, it's like a butterfly effect. This little thing here makes, you know, big changes 30, 40 years down the road. And so, like I said, I came to it just kind of more from the, oh, this is cool because it's science kind of side. And so I did what we call exposure science, which is what I basically just explained. And I look specifically at pesticides and foods, like, and particularly in baby foods and fruit juices, because, you know, these are things that most children are exposed to. Kids really like juice, you know, it has a lot of sugar bugs like juice there's a lot of sugar so they tend to use a lot of pesticides and juice for example um so i came at it from that angle just from this academic like oh isn't this neat kind of thing and then soon after i graduated i had my own first daughter so that was in 2013 and now all of a sudden you know these things that i had studied about became real like it actually mattered, you know, whether or not there were pesticides in the strawberries that my little girl loved to eat. I remember cutting up strawberries for her right before my second was born. That's just like this very vivid <laughs> memory is in between contractions, you know, cutting up strawberries. Um, you know, it mattered now that we had moved from Georgia up to Pennsylvania to a really rural area, although this is true in urban areas, too. Um, anywhere with older housing, a lot of times there's lead paint and it, you know, creates lead dust and it creates lead in your soil and all that. And like these things, like you said, have real effects on children's, you know, physical health, on their mental health, on their behavioral health, all this stuff. And it's lifelong. Um, and so from there, I had been teaching chemistry. I started teaching in 2012. Um and I created my website, Evidence Based Mommy, in 2018 to share these things, you know, that I'd learned using that scientific background, but also having it, you know, presented in a way, one, that is helpful and not just scary. And two, you know, that's digestible for someone who, you know, perhaps science isn't their favorite thing. So that's kind of my goal. And since then, I have four kids now. So my oldest is almost 10 and my youngest is three and a half and it's been really fun you know sharing all this I've got you know my own course too about um non-toxic living particularly with kids and yeah I've learned so much doing this that's amazing it's so great to have a voice like yours having studied chemistry thank you yeah it's um there's so much out there, you know, just like you said, you mentioned you have these eight pillars of different things in your home. And it's true that, you know, whether you're looking at food or whether you're looking at the chemicals that you use for cleaning or, you know, any of it, it even your furniture, all these things have different um, toxicants in them that have effects on your health and your child's health. 
Yeah, I the pillars I have in my detox academy include cleaning, beauty products, personal yes. care products. Our a lot of people don't realize our diets would benefit from a detox of chemicals and heavy metals interior furnishings, children's products, baby products, and our clothes and our technology, learning how to have a healthier relationship with technology in regards to the radiation exposures. Mm -hmm. So there are just so many opportunities to make simple choices that can have a meaningful impact over one's lifetime. That's true. And with that said, you know, there's so much that we can do. There are some things that are outside of our control, particularly depending on, you know, your financial situation and maybe you have to live in a certain area, you know, just because you can't move or whatever. But with what you can control, what do you think are the top three things that you would suggest for someone who's just starting to look into non-toxic living? For someone who's new, you might not know that indoor air tends to be two to five times more polluted than outdoor air, even in the most industrialized cities. So that fact by the EPA led me to realize, wow, so many things inside my home are polluting my indoor environment. And opening windows to allow fresh air exchange when outdoor air quality is better than indoor air quality is a really healthy thing to do to allow the toxic fumes to escape. And it's so simple. Yeah. And it's so simple. And some other things related to indoor air quality that don't cost anything include ventilating when you're cooking, because anytime there's combustion, anytime you're burning something, whether it's on the stove, a fireplace or candles, and hopefully not smoking, but if they're smoking too, anytime there's burning of something, often toxic fumes and tiny particles are released into the air. So ventilate and and consider whether it's worthwhile to open your windows during those times of combustion. And just do what I call the love test. Ask yourself, do I love it or I need it? Because if not, if you won't miss skipping out on, for example, burning candles, then the less, the better. Of course, right. life is short. You should enjoy it. If candles make you really happy, there are more mindful ways to enjoy candles. But you have to be aware of the, the health risks, especially for the youngest of us. So included in conducting the love test is considering whether you have pregnant women around or really young children, because it's even more risky for young life to be inhaling these fumes and tiny particles. The second thing I share is related to dust. I had no idea until I started studying our toxic exposures that dust has been found to contain dozens of chemicals and heavy metals, including chemicals that were banned decades ago. Yes, the yes. bottom of our shoes can track in things like lead and and what um, this acronym PAH, for, which is an acronym for a really long name which can cause cancer, but 
the bottom of our shoes can track in so many things from outdoors. So having a no shoes policy also will reduce the toxic exposures in your home mm -hmm. and recognizing that the dust on things like your laptops and keyboards and other surface areas in your home can expose you to chemicals and heavy metals. It, that's all extra motivation to just wash your hands before you eat and drink and have your loved ones do the same. And I find that to be a full-time job, even though yeah. my children have been hearing wash your hands before you eat since they were <laughs> born, they still need to be reminded. And again, really simple things. Yeah. Take off your shoes at the door. So the PAH is polyaromatic hydrocarbons. Um, those are things that are released whenever they're doing work on roads, for example. So yeah, I mean, it's just out there. If you go for a walk on a road or a, possibly a sidewalk, yeah, you could totally bring that in. Um, and we already talked about the possibility of lead and soil or arsenic or yeah, and those the are absolutely and soil. Mm -hmm. All of that. And I think the third thing I'll mention is the wireless radiation. Because every year, especially since 2007, when the iPhone was introduced to the world, every year there have been more and more layers of radiation that our brains and bodies live with 24-7. And while there is so much we can't control, there's so much we can control, especially in our homes and even more so in our bedrooms. So the number one area to think about is your sleep area, the more you can still the energy in your sleep area, the more likely your brain and body can go into a restorative sleep period. So that means ideally you have no technology in your bedroom, but that's impossible for most people. So some steps you can take that are not so extreme include making sure that wireless emissions are disabled when you go to sleep. So for any devices, whether it's laptops, iPads, iPhones, or other smart devices, if you, you know, try and turn them off, if you can't, that's the best thing to do. I mean, even better is to have them outside your bedroom, but if they're in your room, try and disable the wireless emissions. And for things like your phone, that would include Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, and cellular. Okay. So and uh, keep in mind, too, that radiation weakens with distance. So mm -hmm. ideally, even if the phone is on airplane mode, it probably still is emitting radiation just because I think newer models have different antennas and different things going on that scientists are still uh, studying or haven't uncovered yet. But those really immersed in the field believe that there are other antennas that we're not really aware of. So try and keep the phone as far away from where you sleep as possible. So a dresser across the room is better than on your nightstand. And keep in mind that things plugged in, even wired technology like your lamps or alarm clocks can create an electromagnetic field six to eight feet from the cable or the electrical outlet. So 
think twice about whether you want these things plugged in right around your sleeping area. Okay. Yeah. That's something I have not looked into as much. Cause like I said, I'm more on the chemical exposures, but that's, yeah, that's interesting. Some studies show that it undermines sleep quality. Mm. So my goal with Ruan living and simplifying non-toxic living is just to focus on building your resiliency by unburdening the toxic exposures that you won't mind avoiding and optimizing your body's natural ability to heal and restore and to be resilient. So sleep is an important part of that. And when we're asleep, we won't miss a lot of things. So focusing on making your indoor air quality and the energy in your space as healthy as possible will just help your brain and body be more resilient for what they can't avoid. Okay. Awesome. Thank you. What are your top three tips? Gosh. Um, so if I had to come up with three, so well, of course, all of yours were already great. So I'll miss, <laughs> I'll skip those. Um, I would say to be aware of which foods are more likely to have pesticides and which are not. So for example, the environmental working group has a list called the dirty dozen. I suspect you've heard of that. And that is, so they'll list the 12 types of produce each year that are most likely to have pesticides on them. So I mentioned strawberries earlier talking about my little girl because strawberries is pretty much, you know, always top on that list. Spinach is often on that list. Um, So what you can do, you know, you don't have to buy every single thing organic because of course that really starts to add up, but those particular, um, types of produce that tend to have more pesticide on them. Those are the ones you want to try to buy organic, you know, if you can afford that. And then the environmental working group also has a list called the clean 15. So these are the 15 types of produce, which have the fewest pesticide residues. So those would probably be fine, you know, to buy not organic or conventional is what we would call it. And then, of course, you don't have to get fresh produce either because that's more expensive. If you have something where frozen would work in your recipe just fine, you know, do that and that's going to be cheaper. Um, Canned can work too. Sometimes those have more sodium, but if we can kind of avoid, you know, the sodium, if that's cheaper and that's what you, you know, works for your recipe, that's great. So that's one way to avoid insecticides. Um Let's see. I would also be aware of what your your home or your apartment or whatever was built in. Because like we said, you know, you talked about before you even had kids, you were working with these older um, real estate real estate properties that I imagine a lot of those had lead or asbestos or, you know, things like that in there um, that had to be renovated and remediated. So any home built before 1978 is pretty likely to have lead in it. The older the home, the more likely it is to have lead in it. And people are often concerned about lead and water, you know, particularly since a few years ago with the disaster in Flint, Michigan, which was terrible. Um, 
but often it's not our water that's the problem. It's usually lead coming um, out from into dust. You know, you mentioned dust and it comes from old paint. So if you happen to be in an older home, um, whatever you do, if you hear this, don't panic and go out and try to sand all that off because then you've made lots and lots of dust and we're breathing that in. And that's very, very harmful and dangerous. Um, If you can get someone to do like the specialized remediation, you know, that's great. But oftentimes that can be really expensive and is out of reach for a lot of people. So honestly, the best thing to do in that case would be to, we call it encapsulation, but basically make sure you have a fresh coat of paint that doesn't have any cracks in it and covers that up. You know, watch out if you have young children or pets that would want to chew, you know, for example, when I lived in the place that we found out had lead in the walls there, because I was teaching analytical chemistry. So I actually took paint samples and went in the amount, it, it was huge. It was just blew my mind how much lead was in that paint and I had a baby girl who was just starting to pull up to stand so I mean you know windowsills are that perfect height to want to chew on we had a dog who had some anxiety and chewed on a windowsill um and I mean she paid for that with her life it was awful you know so be aware of that you know like I said encapsulate, um, make sure there's not any cracks in your paint and watch, especially if you have young children, you know, make sure that they're not chewing on. Usually the window frames and the door frames are going to be the most concentrated because the lead compounds that they use are ones that make white paint really nice and white. So that is something you want to avoid. And again, just like you mentioned, you know, my third thing, um, would be, especially if you live in one of those older homes, you know, keeping up with dust, keeping up with, you know, quick vacuum, that kind of thing, just to keep all of those sorts of things under control will really help. I guess perhaps one more thing I would mention is um, if you have a baby or if you're going to have a baby soon and you're going to be using bottles, watch out for any hand-me-down bottles that were made before 2013 because before that BPA and BPS, bisphenol A and bisphenol S were allowed in baby bottles since then. Plastic baby bottles. Yes. Plastic baby bottles. That's true. So you could just go with glass and avoid it altogether. Um, Plastic baby bottles now are made of polypropylene, which don't use bisphenol A or bisphenol, any bisphenols in them. So that's safer than old ones. So just, yeah, be aware of that too. Did you ever use glass baby bottles? I did not. So mine were all breastfed, um, although they used bottles, you know, at daycare. So we didn't, but we had them, you know, past then. So they were okay. I had, at the time I had heard, and I would need to go back and read some more. I'd heard that some of the amino factors and whatnot could become like attached to the glass walls and not get to your baby. And that's why I had chosen just to go with plastic. But again, you know, I would have to look more into that. I could see how that would happen because I did some controls for my research back when I used glass bottles with juice and pesticides to make sure that, you know, the pesticides didn't stick to the walls of the glass back then. So it's called silenization um, that I did to the glass to try to avoid that. 
So I knew that was a real possibility when I read about it. Um, but I haven't looked as much about, you know, does that definitely happen? Because now some people are saying, well, no, that doesn't happen. So you don't have to worry about it. You know, so science is complex <laughs> and there's always caveats for everything. It feels like there are, it's, there are different pros and cons, right? With every mm -hmm. choice. Mm -hmm. Is there a, a paint, an interior paint brand that you like that you tested and feel really comfortable with? So I, that's one thing I haven't spent a ton of time on is specific um, paint brands. I mean, I would go with something, you know, low VOC basically. So, cause that, yeah, that absolutely matters, but yeah. I would say. I've looked into it too, and it, it is so complex. And over time there's different information. And then, then a whole separate challenge is having the contractors agree to it. Recently we had mold work done in our kitchen and the contractor, I, I asked for these zero VOC paints and he basically said, no, they don't work as well. They won't stay clean looking. And he that. said no. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I guess you just have to paint it yourself then and be like, y'all put the mold up and then I'll paint it afterwards. I don't know. Um, yeah. I mean, that's the problem with a lot of these chemicals. You know, for example, someone was mentioning the other day about a high school, a local high school that had asbestos in it. And they were like, you know, it, the way that it's, its properties are great for insulation and great for all these things. Just also it causes lung cancer because of those same physical and chemical properties. So, I mean, it's, it's hard to make those trade-offs sometimes. Yeah. Because you were talking about lead earlier and I just did a free detox workshop on mental health and neurotoxicants, lead is sort of on top of my mind. And I just wanted to add that it's also found in things like lipstick and backpacks and lunch bags and so many other things in the home. You would never guess it would be allowed in these products because we know that there is no detectable level at which lead is safe. Absolutely. But if you're someone who wears lipstick, then you maybe want to visit the environmental working group and type in the lipstick you use to see what the hazard score is. Mm -hmm. This was very upsetting when I don't normally wear much lipstick, but I was learning about this when I, my children were young and I was kissing them so much more frequently. So <laughs> right. If you're pregnant and you wear lipstick, then a bit of the lipstick can get inside you just from wearing it and eating and drinking. But mm -hmm. if you have young kids too, you're probably kissing them a lot also. Mm -hmm. So lipstick can be a really worthwhile thing to look into. Yeah. And like you said, you know, lead can be in lots of different places. It's not supposed to be. The limit is 90 parts per million for some things and 100 parts per billion for or million for other things, like if they bring a product into the United States, it's supposed to be, you know, for children, they're supposed to not let any more than that. Cause you know, you mentioned the zero, the zero VOC paint. I always have a hard time with anything being called zero anything. Cause there's no such thing as zero concentration, right? So back, you know, say in the fifties or sixties, they used to think, you know, they would test for parts per thousand, which is basically, say, 0.1%. And 
And if they couldn't find pesticides at a 0.1% concentration, they would assume it just wasn't there. But, you know, a few decades later, we've got better instrumentation. And now we can look at parts per million or parts per billion. So, you know, put a bunch of zeros behind that point, however many percent. Um, so we, the better our technology gets, the more we're aware that there's always something, you know, in there. It's just a matter of what the concentration is and how much of it does it take to be toxic, which is a whole nother thing. Um, so then, you know, it becomes a matter of like, well, what is the risk associated with that specific product? So for example, you mentioned like lead in backpacks. I mean, maybe like there could be some dust that comes off of that and you get, but that's not going to be like the biggest risk of all the products out there. Right. But the lipstick you mentioned, absolutely. Because, you know, as you mentioned, you know, you're going to lick your lips at some point, or you're going to take a drink of water, or take some food and it's going to get in there with your lipstick. And now you're getting dermal exposure and that really can get into your bloodstream, you know, really easily. You know, we mentioned dust. That's again, unfortunately, inhalation is a really good way to get lead from dust particles. So, you know, thinking about not only is this chemical in a product, but is it in there in such a way that like it can get into our bodies, you know, and cause harm too. So to know, cause we don't really measure it, but you right. know, hands are just constantly. That's true. Crossing up the backpack. And as it is, as it like breaks and flexes, like yeah, sure. it's released and it just hangs around your home. So how, you know, just collectively, as you get to know the materials in my book, A to Z of detoxing, I talk about some household repeat offenders. These are materials like vinyl and yes. other synthetic materials and, and colors, artificial colors. Yeah, absolutely. Help people understand some really repeat offenders in our homes that show up in different ways, whether it's backpacks or shoes or lunch bags or lunch packs and toys. It's just, you start, as you get familiar with these repeat offenders, you just easily recognize them around your home because collectively they do contribute a lot of contaminants to the dust. And maybe it's not just lead, but it's also phthalates and oh yeah, absolutely. other things. Um, but also I'll point out, because if you have children, this is really common, costume jewelry can mm -hmm. have heavy metals. Right, so, because it, for some reason they don't look at that under the toy label, they look at it under the jewelry label, and so it can have much higher amounts of nickel or lead or chromium, you know, yeah. all that. Yeah, cadmium, that's the one. Thank you. Yeah. So, it, absolutely. Yeah. So it's, I mean, it was just shocking for me to realize lead is still found in so many household products, including children's products. Yeah, it's really awful. And yeah, it just you know, wash your hands, wash the kids' hands before they eat and drink. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the thing is wash their hands absolutely. And and as you mentioned, you know, the more you go into this rabbit hole, the more you can find. And so there has to be a balance too, I feel like, between, you know, being aware and doing those things that you can, those simple things you can, you know, to keep your family safe, but also not 
getting so into it that you become just locked down and stressed because stress is, you know, a toxicant too. So it's not a chemical toxicant, but I mean, it still changes, you know, the hormones in your body. It raises cortisol. It affects how you interact with your kids. And I mean, there are studies out there showing, you know, that a mother having untreated anxiety is going to have an effect, you know, long-term effects on their kids too. So, you know, with all this information, make sure ultimately that you're taking care of yourself and taking care of your kids and, you know, keeping that, that mental freak out in check, you know? I agree wholeheartedly. And I didn't want my children to be raised in a, in a home with lots of anxiety and with a mom who is paranoid about everything. And I want them to be carefree at a party and just enjoy the celebration at a party. So I really try and prioritize what's important and set things up so they can have as much joy and celebration as possible. And they know that at parties, I always say, just enjoy the party. And if they come home with goodie bags full of toxic things, Have conversation. We have conversations about my view on things, and I don't tell them everything, but I want mm-hmm. to just raise them with mindfulness about this so that they can make informed choices as they're older. But I'll say after they get a goodie bag full of things, enjoy it for a week, and then I'm going to throw it out. Okay. Yeah. That sounds reasonable. So. Yeah, thank you for talking to me today and sharing with me. I've I've really enjoyed getting to know you. And I've really enjoyed getting to know you. I am always especially excited to talk to a scientist, especially a chemist. I haven't talked to as many chemists, but it's really great to get your perspective as well. Of course, yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening. For podcast show notes, visit www.ruanliving.com, spelled www.ruan is in nontoxicliving.com. To more easily listen to other episodes, please subscribe to the Practical Non-Toxic Living Podcast. And if you'd like to support it, please like it and share it. Until next time.